This week I get the pleasure of sitting with the Basharat brothers. These guys are up-and-coming fighters. Uh, Javid, he's got 11-0 and 0 at the moment. Just got his UFC contract. Buster, Buster more skulls and uh, choke. Because we got a, he had a famous choke in recently. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that in a second. And his younger brother, Farid, so you're 7-0 and 0 right now on yeah. your way up. Seven and uh, you got a, a big fight coming up in Spain in the near future, he said. Yep, February in, uh, in Spain. How's it going to go? Do you feel bad for the other fellow yet? I never feel bad. <laughs> I never, <laughs> I never feel, feel bad. bad. <laughs> never feel bad. Always excited. Something that um, something that really caught my eye is I, I saw like a, a press conference clip of you speaking, and uh, uh, I forget who it was, but one of the the people asking you a question or trying to you know get you to say something a little antagonistic or poking you a little bit to, to hype a fight, and you're like you know do you does you feel insulted by this or that? And, <laughs> I thought it was just awesome that I never heard anybody say it quite like this before. It's like a man signed a contract to, to fight me, the, to, uh, et cetera, yeah, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Could you explain that comment? So, so uh, yeah, so the, the reporter, they, you know how reporters are, they're always nudging you a little bit, like, oh, were you offended? Were you did this with, with the comments he made? Because he called me a terrorist at the weigh-ins. And, and I was like, quite frankly, like, I, I'm not going to be any more pissed off than I already am. Because when somebody signs, signs the, the, the dotted line to, to fight me, I'm not really gonna gonna take that nicely in the first place. I know it's a sport, I know it's competition, but at the end of the day, if somebody was to fight me on the street or, or anywhere else and take food off my plate, I'm gonna be really pissed off about that. So that's just my mentality going into a fight all the time. Yeah. I thought it was great that you know, if a man signed the contract to get in the cage to fight me, like the man wants to do me harm, I'm, I'm already insulted. How much more insulted yeah, could yeah, I be? Exactly. <laughs> that was the essence of it. And I'm, I'm like, you know, that makes a lot of sense. I've never heard anybody say that. Yeah. So, will you share a little bit about your backgrounds? Uh, you know, you fellas are your brothers. You've been training together, training with really top competitors back in your country or in the UK. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. like how's that? Um, what would you share about your background for somebody that you know maybe knows less about that, or just how difficult it is to, to go up through the uh, the early leagues before you get your you know pro contract? Um, that's a tough grind, eh? Mm, yeah, for sure. Well, for one thing, me and my brother we have an athletic background. Uh, we started Taekwondo at a young age and then we went on and um, played a lot of football, soccer as, as it's known here in the States. And we played soccer for years and I think I credit a lot of our athletic ability to that. Um, just our agility and the way we move and uh, so we have strong legs from that. Um, and as far as the come up, especially in the UK, I feel like it's harder than it is in, the, in America because overseas sometimes a lot of the talent gets unnoticed. You know, in America it's all right there, you know, some of the matchmakers, they could just see, okay, that guy's 5-0, oh, 6-0, 7-0, let's get him on board. But overseas, sometimes the visa issues can be a problem and, you know, just the distance can be a problem. You know, like if, had I been 7-0 maybe in, uh, in America, maybe I would have been picked up by a bigger organization earlier. So sometimes that can be an issue. Yeah, like I'm, I, I had to go 11 fight win streak and all finishes. I have never been to the judges hmm. and I, I hadn't even I've gone to the third round and up until the last guy but I had to beat him up for 14 minutes and then sub him in the last minute you know just, just to prove my point and get my contract but and look and that's what it takes to, to, to get signed to the UFC like sometimes getting signed there is, is very hard from um, being overseas you know yeah, there was a, a a classic moment that um you know, you, you fight this guy, like you said, first first time you go to the third round with a fella, and uh, you fight this guy up to 14 minutes, and, and if you watch the video, you see like he looks at the clock, 
he sees he's got like a minute left and he's like, oh, time to choke this fella out now. Yeah. So time to finish the fight. And you're looking at Dana talking shit while you're- Yeah, so as, you're I'm joke, <laughs> as I'm choking him, I look and I see Dana right opposite me and I just nod my head like, yep, it's done, it's done. And he's looking at me and he's laughing, he's going, oh my God, like what the hell just happened? What's interesting is I told Javid before the fight, me and Jake were backstage warming, warming him up and I told him, look, when you get the chance to put this guy away, put him away. We don't, we don't do overtime, just go in, beat him up, get that contract. But knowing Javid, I knew he wanted to make him suffer. So easily in round one, I felt like Javid could have put him away, but he yeah. just dragged it on an extra 10 minutes and just beat the crap so, out so, of him. So that was the thing. Like I remember in the first round, my intention was obviously to finish him and put him away. But I felt like I did so much damage in that first round. If you watch it, it was like a easily a 10-7. If, if like I beat him up really bad. And like I, I could have finished him like literally before the clock ran out, like 30 seconds before the clock ran out. And I remember just, going easy on my punches. I had known he, I already knew he already gave up in the, in the fight. And if you give up in a fight, mm. you, you've given up. Like, I know I've got you, I can walk all over you, you know? So that's just my mentality. For me, I'm just trying to break them mentally. So you felt that in the, in the first round, you felt confident enough that you, you broke his spirit. That exactly, enough, exactly. Uh, enough damage or exhaustion that uh, he wasn't gonna have a, a romantic rebound from there. Exactly, exactly. That's great. You know, Dana had some fantastic words for you that, uh, I met Dana White uh, at the Apex Center. We've been in the ring together over there and just had a bit of a chat. And uh, but Dana, had, you know, he doesn't always say nice things about people. Yeah. But he said some really nice things about you after that fight. Yeah, yeah. How did that make you feel when you, know, you had uh, such um, such compliments to, about your performance and about the, the way you handled that versus the, the other fellow, et cetera? Yeah, so it was excellent because uh, me growing up, like there's two people you know when, you're, when, you're, when you watch the UFC. And now I have three people. It's Conor McGregor, Habib, Nurmagomedov, and Dana White. These are the people you know. They're the face of the, the UFC. What about Joe you know? Rogan? Joe Rogan. I mean, I had Joe I Rogan had, to the list. Yeah, yeah, I had Joe Rogan, exactly. This list getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, but Dana White, like, so for me to fight in front of the, the Dana White, he's the boss, essentially, you know? That in itself was remarkable. And then he has to handpick me, you know, by watching my performance. And then just to put the, the cherry on top afterwards, he's speaking to me and giving me some advice and, and, and praising me almost, you know, like saying how well I conducted myself, uh, um, not just through respect, but like how, how I performed in the fight, you know, and people like that deserve that type of beating. And he goes, you did that exactly tonight, you know, you, you did what should have got done. And it happened, you know, and he praised me for that. Thank you for that as well. <laughs> Shout out to Dana White. What up, Dana? What are you know? What are some of the background for you fellas that uh, you, know, you weren't born in the UK, and you had some tough circumstances? You know, transitioning. Uh, uh, every day wasn't easy in your childhood to to you know live, to build where you're at now. You know, it, it, nobody falls on a mountain. You don't accidentally get to the top of a mountain. Yeah. You don't accidentally yeah. get into fall in a great circumstance. And you guys are uh, you both some really tough guys that you know psychologically as well as physically that. Um, you had some rougher circumstances early in life that are, you know, probably are contributing to a lot of your success today. Is that fair? Mm, no doubt. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like upbringing is, a, is always that question of nature or nurture. And what's the percent? Like, I go back and forth sometimes. How much of it is nature, like, in my DNA, and how much of it is my um, nurture, my environment? And I think environment and nurture is a big part of it. Um, we grew up on a refugee camp the first few years of our life, and um, when we immigrated to England, um, it's like you kind of bring a lot of times you bring some of those 
uh, stresses with you. You know, and it's not just, it's not like you move to a first world country and that's it, everything is great all of a sudden. You you know, you have to, you start bring some the of the, you, you gotta start at the bottom, exactly. So, um, and no doubt as, as we grow older, and at the time when, I, when we were kids, we used to, you know, like, my dad was very harsh on us, you know, he used to give us some good beatings and um, things, and you know, noticeably poorer than everybody else, our classmates and stuff. And at the time when you were a kid, you, you wish you had more, you wish, <laughs> You know, you weren't in that kind of circumstance. But now in hindsight, I realize that it 100% helped me. It made me a tough person mentally. Yeah, and now we realize like why our dad was like disciplining us that way. It was mostly just a discipline. It was not like he was abusive or anything. It was not an abuse thing, but you know, you're not used to it. When you're in England, like most people don't like hit their children and stuff. And and one um, of my, my, my dad would do that, it would be just to discipline us. And because that's what they do kind of in our country, you know? And especially me and Farid, because we, we kind of grew up similar ages. There's only like uh, almost only two, just under two years uh, age difference. So we were always around the same age, same size. And we always used to like just fight and scrap each other, you know? So you, you kind of <laughs> yeah, we to... need We needed to be disciplined. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I grew up, my, uh, my father, he, was, he wasn't around. He was building a business. My father never hit me once in my life. My mother beat the shit out of me often for no reason. But my mother, my father never hit me once in my life. But my father was, uh, and I, he went to prison for cocaine trafficking when I was seven. He had a 15-year prison sentence. So before uh, before that, you know, he was building his business, right. and then uh, then he was. So he just wasn't around in my childhood. You know, he just mm -hmm. wasn't there much. And um, you know, then I, I, I grew up with my mother, who was uh, not the most stable person, and she wasn't an alcoholic or a drug addict type, but she just, just she had a lot of problems, you know? And so, you know, I, I kind of felt, um, a lot of times, I, just, I, I didn't know what the fuck I was going to do, but I just knew I really, I really hated my current circumstances, and I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew I wasn't going to fucking do this, you know? So I, I was, and, I, and I didn't have good mentors or role models. I think it's something you guys could probably relate to, that... Um, you know, I have fantastic coaches and teachers and so on, you yeah. know, through my adult life, because I didn't have that early on. Yeah. And I know how terrible it is. Like when you're trying to guess and check or like figure something out for yourself, is it extraordinarily inefficient and extraordinarily painful, you know? Mm, and when we have a great coach or a great mentor or a great teacher, I found that really, um, I mean, it's, it's life-changing. Yeah. Just the, the outcomes can happen so much quicker. Yeah, absolutely. And like me, me and my brother, we were blessed. Like my father was our mentor and our, our kind of life coach sort of thing. And, and he was like, that was the best thing. Like we were lucky to have a, a father figure like that, you know? But in terms of like having a mentor outside of that, that would be at home. And sometimes you don't want to tell your dad everything you're doing and stuff like that because, mm -hmm. you know, you, you're kind of embarrassed. So we didn't really have anyone else kind of that we were there for each other the whole time, you know? Um, Absolutely. And you're right, like having a good coach or a mentor gets rid of the trial and error, you know, and although sometimes experience can be the best uh, teacher, it just cuts out a lot of the nonsense. Like how nice would it be if you had somebody telling you like, look, man, this is the way instead of you messing up a hundred times. Exactly. And, and martial arts kind of added to that also, like having a good discipline, for example, like we were cutting and dieting weight from a young age just to make weight at a tournament and you can't eat everything you want you can't you know uh, you can't drink you can't do any any of that stuff you know so it kind of kept us in a straight path in that regard too you know and plus like we my whole the, my dad's whole idea was to we would have so much energy at home was to make us tired <laughs> you know in training 
you know, when he would take us to Taekwondo school or like martial arts school or whatever. Uh, we, so, we, so we don't have energy when we come back home. But to be honest, it was worse because then we actually knew how to fight. Yeah. <laughs> so we just so we turned just the at home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, know. you know, when I was growing up, I, I really had to, to work for everything. There's, uh, I didn't like it. I mentioned earlier that you know I, was, I really hated my circumstances. And in my head, and you know, this doesn't sound nice, but in my head, I, I still think today, like if you don't hate your current circumstances, then that's just about where you're going to plateau. You know, if you don't have a little a little hostility inside of like I got to do better, yeah. like not like I'd, oh I'd like to do better if it's convenient, but like I have to do better. Mm-hmm. Now, what are your perspectives of that, and you know the way that your life paths have been, or where your career so far, where they're going? You know, do you, you have uh, just happy, easy thoughts every moment, or do you have a little of that anger inside of like, you know, the, the confidence or, or sense of pride, like I've done, yes, I've done well so far, but man, I gotta do better. No, absolutely, man. You can't be content. You can't be content with, with, with where you're at, you know? You always have to reach further and, and get more out of life, you know? Because like I said, from our background, we didn't really have everything that much. We didn't have much, you know? and now. When you're in a position, you realize like, okay, I climbed the ladder, you know, I can keep climbing. There's no limit to this kind of thing, you know. So, yes, yeah, and and especially especially in our sport, the nature of our sport is, you can never be content with where you're at. Even when you're a champion, you can't because then you're yeah. just gonna lose the belt. Mm-hmm. So for me, for example, right now, it's get into the UFC, then get in the rankings, then win the belt, then defend it three times, five times, seven times, Hall of Fame. And then once I retire, then I can look back on my career and be like, all right, I was happy. I'm yeah. just happy with my then, career. And but then even then, it's the next chapter of life, you know? Kind of, you can't be content, you can't stay there because there's no progress, you know? You always have to progress. Yeah, Tito Ortiz was with me a couple nights ago over here, and uh, you know, he had his, uh, his belt for three and a half years, and I believe he defended it five times, uh, won the belt, defended it five times. And that's a, that's a tough journey, you know? That's a t- I think a lot of people don't understand to be like, you know, if, you, if you're the champion, you say, oh, he's the champion, so he has momentum. Okay, yeah. But how many other fellas are looking at your, they're watching your videos, they're watching how you exactly. move, they're thinking about exactly. your psychology and every little nuance and wondering about the specific injuries that might exploit or try to take exactly. advantage. Exactly, exactly. There's a lot of gritty things behind the scenes that Absolutely. people don't think about. That like, you know, tough enough to go be a champion, but then to defend that multiple times, like you said. Like, Absolutely. And this is why I, don't try, I try not to make my end goal the belt. Because then what if I do win it? Or when I do win it? Say five years from now I win it, then what? Do I retire? No, I want to... So my, my, my thought process is always I want to be the best I can be. And that doesn't stop at the belt. I want to defend it four, five, six times and more. So a lot of people make that mistake once they become champion. And you've seen it. They become champion and then they just fall off completely. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a dangerous mindset to have. You, need to, you can never be comfortable with where you're at, even when you're champion. Yeah, there, uh I had a friend, Carrie Walsh. She's uh, a very famous volleyball player. That she's she won 112 matches in a row, and that sounds ridiculous. Professional. She got three gold medals and a bronze medal. She's not happy about that bronze medal. Yeah. She's not happy about that bronze yeah, medal. Yeah. And you, you only in her sport, you only get one per Olympics. So she yeah, exactly. went to four Olympics: gold, gold, gold. Exactly, and, and that's perfect. That explains it perfectly. Like, do you think she stopped after 10 games and said, "You know what? 
10 in a row is a pretty good good streak. No, she's thinking <laughs> she's thinking like no, it's it's zero and zero again. I need to keep up the streak. 11. She lost count. She went up to like 114. Was it 114? She won 112 matches in a row against professionals. These That's are not, ridiculous. Yeah. That's these are the other professional teams in the world. That, you know, it's like it was like her and her partner <laughs> versus two other women. Mm -hmm. and, and she said that you know she wanted to crush those women. She's a very nice lady. She's very nice and yeah. a very smart, pleasant woman to be around. But you know, the competitor inside of her, yeah. she's like, I want to crush my competition. Mm -hmm. the, you need 21 points to win. She's like, I never wanted our, the other team to ever score 15. Yeah. It was like their goal that her and, the, her, and her partner, they're like, we, we, you know, they felt disappointed. Like, not, you know, not, it wasn't acceptable to just win. They wanted them to have 15 or less points versus their 21. Yeah. This is, this is she said when, when things, when she lost that 113th match there, she said before that happened, and you know, your what comment you made made me think of this, she said before that happened that uh, she's a. It, it sounds humorous or it sounds you know, like a joke, but she said she had like wieners fatigue that she's just so used to you know winning, 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 winning. That she said she talked to another champion, a male champion, and said like you know like God like you know, I, I can't talk about this with anybody. Like, have you ever had this thought that you're like you're you're tired of just you know? And he says, well, as soon as you have that thought, you're about to lose. Yeah. And she said wow. that day. They lost their fucking match. Wow. And she said it pissed her off so much she started to do winning streak again. <laughs> 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 oh no, I respect that. I respect that a lot. And like, of course, uh, fighting is an extreme example of this because it's, it's a very physical and aggressive sport. But no matter how nice you are, you need to have these kind of inside internally. You have these kind of somewhat dark thoughts where you're just like, I have to crush my opponent. Like, no matter how nice, um, take a fighter for example, like Muhammad Ali's. People use him as this like lovely guy who's a legend and everything. But I'm sure right before the fight he had these dark thoughts where he's gonna destroy Joe Frazier, I'm gonna ruin him. This, you have to, it's a physical sport. It's a, it's, you know, it's, it, people like to romanticize it, but it's nitty gritty, it's hard, and you've gotta be violent. Especially like, Your opponent has those thoughts about you. That's it, exactly. it's like Jack said earlier, like he's trying to take food off my plate. Exactly, like I know people see it, see it like a sport. It is a sport now, but at the end of the day, I, if I don't win, I don't get my win bonus. So that's half my money. If I don't win, um, I get... Remember, remember, this is a sport where the ball doesn't go through your legs and everybody laughs at you. This is a sport where you get punched in the face, you know? So that is very insulting, you know, to me. So from that, you don't want to come second place in any sport, let alone fighting, you know? I'm not a fan of any sport. The reason I say that is, that, you know, fan means like fanatic. Which yeah. is somebody that's like uh, irrationally exuberant about another man's life, and we don't do that here. <laughs> whatever word, whatever kind of guy you think would be really excited about another guy's life and romanticizing it, yeah. we don't do that here. But but I have tremendous respect for for athletes in general, and I think your sport, um, there's there's not five on five or you know twelve on twelve or yeah. something like that. It's like it's, it's one man and another man in a cage, and they both have uh, that similar hostility. You have to have uh, bad thoughts in mind for your opponent, you know? And, and there's nobody else to blame. If you don't fuck it up, you can't say, hey, my teammate, you know, exactly. my teammate fumbled the ball. Exactly. My teammate yeah. did something. It's like, you have to look internally, you it's know? Yeah. You, and this yeah. was our issue with, we used to play soccer, and we used to play, we were very good at soccer, but ultimately, you could have the game of your life, but the goalkeeper has a bad game. That's it, your team lost. Mm -hmm. And I hated this, I hated like playing my butt off, but then somebody else making a mistake and, I, and that's it, I'm so reliant and dependent on them. 
Whereas in fighting, it's just me. Like, of course, I have my team who prepare me, my coaches, my teammates, but in the cage, it's really up to me. And if I mess up, I did something wrong. So I have to go back and work on myself. And I like that. And, you know, on the, on the contrary, if I do something well, it's because I did it well. You know, I'm not dependent on nobody else. You don't get to, you don't have to blame other people. You don't get to say, you know, oh, my coach didn't teach me not to. Right. Not, it's, it's on you. And I think that's one of the reasons that, you know, um, I mean, some type of fighters become, you know, you know, big stars because every every man somewhere in their heart understands that, like, you know, you're going to go get locked in a cage with another dude mm. and, uh, you know, there's nobody to blame. There's nobody on you. Exactly. It's it just very, the, the results, uh, the performance is very clear. Mm. And, you know, and at a high level, both guys are extremely talented. Exactly. And they had, you know, similar trainings, literally might have had some of the same coaches, mm -hmm. very yeah. similar training. They studied all the same things. Yeah. They have similar diet. They have similar everything. Yeah. And uh, it, it's, it's really, you know, gets to the, the essence of, to some extent, you know, how much do you want? How much did you prepare? Did you put in the work ahead of time? Mm -hmm. And you know, how psychologically tough are you? It's not just physically at all. Right, Maybe yeah. you guys could talk about that. But how important is the psychological toughness? That uh, you, know, you, you do a lot of training. You're, you're a great athlete, but somebody's a, a little soft in their head. They, they honestly, give up. Honestly, like I don't like giving out percentages. You know how people say it's ninety percent this and that, and this ten percent that. But psych, like mentality, is. I would say, like more than physical mentality is, is uh, more important because having the right mindset can not only you can not only reach f further physical like heights, you know, but also just confidence. Having these uh, intangibles, they're very important to have going into a fight. For example, like not confident. It, you're already lost. Yeah, you you already lost. Like if you're you if you if you are not confident of yourself and you're not sure of yourself going into a fight imagine imagine how much the opponent is feeding off that you know mm -hmm. you can see it you know and even have you seen like there's been loads of studies done like and especially in fighting the study is not in fight related but I'll, I'll translate it into fighting for example say I'm tired and I see my opponent uh, like wincing and more tired it just gives me energy right away and that's not to do with anything physical it's all in the mind you know so and you gotta make sure you're prepared for the worst case scenario. Also, um, that's one thing I, a lot of fighters I feel like when they go in there, they they, they don't understand. You know that it can end hor horrific. You know, and you gotta be ready for it. So when when the tide is turning towards that, you know how to pull it back. You know, you know how to make it go right for you again. And that's all to do with the mind. Absolutely, I I think. At the top, when you get to the top five of, of, in MMA uh, and, you know, combat sports, I think it's the mindset. Whoever has the stronger mindset, that's, what, that's, that's who's going to win. Um, because like you said, we're coming in at the same way. We both had X amount of weeks to prepare for this, high world-class quality coaches and training partners. But it's the mindset that's really going to set everybody apart. Um, and I think fighters like Khabib and uh, John Jones, these guys were mentally so strong it just they just broke their opponents that's what it was like Gagey, Pryor, uh Rashad Evans um, um, these were all legends like they were very very good fighters but it's the mindset it's just that's 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 the difference in the end yeah at the top, and, that's and the, the difference and the body only does what the mind tells it to do you know uh, and that's you've seen that time and time again in, in these training sessions where you think you don't have anything left but then as soon as they tell you oh it's only a minute left you go as fast as you you can and you're just like how <laughs> 
how did that happen? Where did that energy come from? You know, it's from the mind. So one tip to the audience then, that how can they dig deeper? People, the people that I care about in the audience, some of them I don't care about, you guys should tune out. But the ones that I care about, is somebody that they're, they're already good at something. They made the effort, they loved themselves enough to invest in themselves. Yeah. They're already good at something. They developed a skill. Or, or when I say something like that, they get angry enough at me that they go develop a skill. <laughs> yeah. so, either get angry and develop a skill or you already have a, a skill at something, whatever that might be. How do they dig deeper to do even better? Just one, one of those one psychology tip or one comment. I don't I don't talk I don't call it a motivational tip because yeah. if somebody's not motivated by themselves, they're not getting anything done. They well, can forget about success. Yeah, yeah. But somebody that's already motivated, that's already doing good at something, what's one one tip for them to dig deeper and work even harder than they currently think they can? So for me, like every time I, I struggle, where I get to the point of struggling, like whether it be me running and stuff, you know, when I'm starting to feel that fatigue. I say to myself, I was training just to get up until this point, you know? The rewards are gonna come after that. So why am I gonna stop there? Because if I, if I stop now, I'm not gonna reap the rewards of it. I just, just managed to, to touch the border. So that, where you work harder, a little bit more, and you push that much further, that's when you're gonna get the rewards. So if you wanna gain anything from this exercise or this workout or, or just in life in general, you know, when you're struggling, push that extra bit and results will come, you know? Summary statement, if I heard that from you, is that you, you already worked your ass off to get to your current circumstance. You might as well make, make those extra couple of increments to make it even better and get onto an even better circumstance. Exactly, exactly. What are your thoughts about it, sir? Um, for me, what helps me a lot is like, um, is sometimes when I'm struggling or I'm in that position, like you say, when I'm running and I'm about to hit the wall, it's like, remember why you started this? Go and for me, you have to have this passion and this fire. If you don't love what you do, for me, it's very difficult to get very good at it. I feel like you need to, to, to have that passion and that love for it. And uh, it's like, remember why you did it. And whether your motivation or your drive is money, family, glory, trophies, whatever it is, just refer back to that always. And for me, that helps me break, like get over the wall. You know, whether it's winning, for me personally, winning titles and creating a legacy for myself, that's, that's like the biggest thing for me. So I always think, okay, you want to be the champion, you want to be the best, you want to be the best. And I'll think of, I'll think of the champion in my weight division. I'll like, that guy's in your way, go chase him, go get him, surpass him. So always um, let your passion carry you through and just remember why you started it. So that, that why is important to the back of your head of like, you know, I want the thing, I want the thing. But then to remind yourself, you know, why is that emotionally important or what, what does that mean to you, your mm -hmm. loved ones, the, exactly. the people and the things that you care about exactly. gives you that extra oomph when exactly. you know, a person might give up by themselves, but if they had that deeper right. why on their head, you need that, that's something it'll help to take those next couple steps. Exactly, exactly. So you, you got your fight coming up in Spain soon. You want to tell them a bit about that? Yeah, I'm fighting uh, February 12th in uh, Madrid Arena, Spain. Um, it's on a nice show, um, uh, War of Titans. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be... God willing, eight and zero by the end of it, um, and after that, I'm just looking to move on to the big organizations, UFC, etc. Yeah. Uh, What's next for you? For me, so I'll be, I'm fighting on March the twelfth um, in the UFC actually. So it's going to be my official promotional debut. Even though I fought on Contender Series, didn't really count as the UFC, you know. So it's going to be my debut. So it's a big one and. I've got a lot of hype going into it because of what I did to my previous opponent. Um, 
and obviously I've got that 11 uh, and 0 win streak so everyone's going to try and take my O you know my, my zero they're always going to have the fucking O they can't they can't have that O the O must not go the O must not go and yeah and more importantly for me is like the win is obviously the most important thing but I want to make sure I, I, I put a stamp on my arrival and um, get a finish you know so then that will be 12 wins and 12 finishes the Basharat brothers young man Ferret's on his way to 8 and 0 Shavir on his way to 12 and 0 this is the Apex then? yeah uh, for now it's the Apex but we don't we, we're not sure not the yeah it's not announced if it's the Apex I'll be in the front row so I, let a, I go there frequently and I enjoy it. If it's there, I'll be in the front row and I'll great. check it out. Check out the Basharat Brothers at their social media. We have links below that you can look below the video and check those out. Um, these guys are fantastic. They went out of the way to, to come share a couple really useful insights on how you can dig deeper and have even more success in your life. But success don't happen accidentally. It's a lifestyle choice. If you're in a first world country, success is a lifestyle choice. Mm -hmm. I, I grew up poor here. But I've been to, I went to 66 countries. I've seen people with a lot worse circumstances than I had as a kid. Right. And like, you, you know, those people wish they had the opportunities you'd have in the UK right. or you'd have in the USA. Like, success is a lifestyle choice if you're in a first world country. Wherever you're at now, you could do even better. If you're struggling, you got nowhere to go but up, homie. And if you're already doing good, dig deeper and do even better. We'll see you at the top.